Well, welcome to the Hunt Back Country podcast. Today's episode is a Monday Minute, which is a shorter, more informal episode that often answers a listener question. Today we are doing just that and answering a listener question with the help from some of our friends at Leupold. So when this listener wrote in, his question had to do with upgrading his scope or customizing his current scope for some upcoming elk hunts that he had, and I thought it would be good to turn to our friends at Leupold to get their expert take on what his possibilities are, what are some of his options, and what's the best way to spend his limited budget. So we're going to chat with Brenton from Leupold, and let's get started and dive right into it. Well, Brenton, thanks for joining us today, man. How are you? Great. How about you? Good. So you're with Leupold. Go ahead and give us uh, a little bit of context of what you do with Leupold. Yeah. So I work in the uh, technical services, basically, the product applications specialists, they would used to call us. But we pretty much do a lot of the uh, anytime you have questions, concerns, product recommendations, anything like that with Leupold products and you give us a call, it's it's us that you're talking to. <laughs> awesome. So you, you uh, spend a lot of time on the phone and chatting about optics uh, most days. That's got to be kind of cool. Yeah, it's definitely, you, you learn quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, I'm glad. It sounds like we got the right guy to answer this, uh, this listener question that came through. And, you know, Steve and I have some experience with Leupold Optics in general um, and with scopes, but I'm sure you know way more than we do. And, you know, part of what this guy got into uh, with his questions, which we'll get into in a second, is kind of like some custom options of changing his scope, which I didn't realize was always possible. So I'm kind of curious to hear what is possible. But let me go ahead and read um, this listener email, and we'll get into the questions um, and then hear from you on some of his options. Yeah. So this guy wrote in and says, I have a Leupold VX2 4-12 to duplex reticle on my 30-06. Just to pause there, Brenton, tell us really quick about that scope, um, because it's probably helpful to know a little bit of background about that scope and reticle to lead into what we're going to discuss. Yeah, uh, so the VX2s were a series of scope that we made for a long time, uh, like probably 15-something years, if not longer. Well, no, even longer, very X2s going all the way back. So it's a series of scope that we'd made for a while. Um, it was kind of our a little bit above entry level scope, um, right below the VX three series. They're built on a three power rector. So you see really common magnification powers of, uh, you know, two to seven, three to nine, four to 12. Um, and then they were recently replaced with, uh, what, two years ago with the new VX freedom series of scopes. Okay. So this is, uh, obviously variable power. You said it's four to 12. Mm -hmm. Um, it does not have, um, like a, a dialing turret. I'm assuming it's like a capped turret, more so yeah. meant for just sighting in and not for, uh, you know, in the field use. Yeah, a little more of a kind of set it, forget it style adjustment. Okay. And then he said duplex reticle, which is, uh, to grossly oversimplify it, just a crosshair, no BDC, no, no yep. holdovers, that type of thing, right? Yep. Okay, perfect. So he has that, and then he basically said that that scope has been perfect for him, um, all the shots he's had thus far with his hunting have been at close range, but he's basically saying he has an upcoming elk hunt in a more open and mountainous area. And his buddy that has hunted in that area said that he needs to be able to take four to 600 yard shots. So essentially this guy has 
the scope with basic features, basic reticle, capped turrets, and he's looking to extend his range. He also says that he's on a budget. So he basically has um, like $1,200 a year. He uses that for tax, uh, tags, licenses, gear upgrades, everything. So he's on a budget. He laid out a few options. And this is where I was really curious when I reached out to you guys was to see what's possible. So I'll run over the three options he mentioned real quick, and then we'll chat about them. Yeah. Number one, he said he could send his VX2 in and actually get an elevation dial on it. So basically get rid of his capped adjustments, maybe do some sort of locking turret. We'll talk about the options there. Number two, he can replace his scope altogether, upgrading to something that already has an elevation dial or a BDC reticle. And then number three, keep rocking the scope he has and look at basically a maximum point blank range type of um, strategy for elk and extending his range. So I was really curious, just wanted to hear, he mentioned sending his VX2 in getting a new dial on it. What are options there? Is that something that's doable that you guys will take a loophole scope and essentially kind of upgrade it or customize it at that point? So that's one of the real benefits of doing everything here in-house. You know, we're not just kind of specking something off of a menu from a company overseas and and they they just send it here, we brand it and sell it. That's kind of the cool thing about building everything is that we have the parts and the tooling and the machining to to be able to change stuff. Um, for a while we, we have been doing, we do have a custom shop, uh, where if you have an older model scope and we have the ability, you can send that scope in and say you have an old VX2 that doesn't have the CDS, you would send it in and we can basically swap out the adjustment, put a CDS adjustment in it, and then make you a custom dial, get the scope back to you. So you have a way to, to update that. Um, currently the custom shops going through a little bit of a kind of restructuring and reorganization internally. And so we're not doing that right now. However, that is something that we are looking to, to get back up and running here, you know, as, as quickly as we can. Okay. So when that service has been available and sounds like it will be again, like, can you give a ballpark kind of cost timeline? Cause to me, as soon as I heard that option, which I didn't know existed, I was like, I wonder how expensive that is and is it a worthwhile investment or if you're spending a decent chunk of change, should you just be upgrading altogether, which is kind of the second point, which we'll get to, but can you give like a, a roundabout timeline and cost for something like that? Yeah. So the timeline is generally kind of influenced by, you know, really how busy we are. Yeah. Time um, of year. You, and... Yeah. I mean, if you send something in, in like, june july something like that it's going to get turned around pretty quick if you wait until like the last week of september eh, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're on your own yeah yeah you might have you know you might have a couple weeks there up up to um usually i, I wouldn't say it exceeds six weeks or so I, i'd say that's probably the long side of it during the busy season okay got it and then ballpark cost if he, like, and it sounds like there's different options at custom shop, but let's say for this scenario, looking at putting a CDS, which is you guys' custom dial system, on something like a VX2. Yeah, so you'd generally be looking at, for CDS, um, you'd be looking about probably a hundred, around $150 or so, plus any applicable sales tax or anything, okay. and then $80 for the custom dial. Um and that's kind of where you get into the the kind of cost analysis side of it. And it's like, well, 
this scope was originally a $200 scope, $250 scope. Do I want to dump that into it when right. I could go buy, you know, like a VX Freedom that has all those features and is going to optically be a little nicer, have, you know, some some newer features to it or take the plunge, kind of maybe sell that and jump up to a VX3 or something where I'm going to get, you know, a lot more performance. Okay, cool. So the, the dial um itself run 150 and that'll get you kind of that locking turret um moa adjustments but then if you want to do as you said like a custom turret for your load that's another 80 so that's a good ballpark to know so his upgrade options you you kind of mentioned there i think two options that would be helpful to briefly know about was the freedom line and then vx3 line it sounds like would be the next upgrade so can you kind of give a good rundown of the price points for those say you stick with like a three to nine four to twelve something like that and then what are the differences between those two options at those two price points yeah so the vx freedom series um is actually a really cool kind of thing that we it's a cool series that we came out with a uh, year before last so 2000 what was that 18 19 um and essentially someone kind of looked at it and said, well, we're building all these different scopes and like the VX one, the VX two and the VXR lines. We're building all these different scopes and they're really similar in a lot of ways, but they're all built completely different. And so what they did was kind of did a little looking around at it and said, okay, well, what if we were able to kind of cancel all three of these lines and move it into one line of scopes that have a ton of parts commonality because being a manufacturer, that's kind of what we're looking at. You know, we building it is how can we build it quickly and effectively and, you know, less costly. And so we were able to take those three lines and basically roll them all into one, increase a ton of parts commonality and actually make a better scope at a cheaper price, which is really cool. And so, I mean, you're looking at VX freedoms in, you know, two to seven or, three to nine, four to 12. And I mean, you can get them with the CDS adjustments with fire dots. And I mean, they're starting out with CDS even at, you know, probably 250, 300 on the street for like a four to 12 or something. Okay. And so, I mean, it's, it's just a really inexpensive scope with a ton of performance and then you're getting a lot of features that you're not really going to find anywhere else. Got it. So if he had two fifty to three hundred bucks, basically a little bit more than upgrading his VX two in terms of cost, you feel he'd probably be in a better scope and in a better position to go that route. Yeah, definitely. I mean, optically, it, optically, it it does look better. You're, you know, you're you're definitely stepping up in the performance. You're getting newer lens coatings, redesign, um, a lot of the functionality, like the magnification ring. They changed. Uh, um, some of the engineers got together and changed the magnification style. So it's a little more tactile, easier to grip, especially when it's cold and you have gloves on. The grooves are a little larger, more aggressive, as opposed to the older style VX2s where they were a little small and they just kind of had that nub on them to to change the magnification. What hit on, I'm sure this question comes up for you guys a lot, something like CDS or some sort of you know, in the field dialing in turret versus a BDC style reticle for this guy, for this type of range, kind of talk through the pros and cons or maybe help him make that type of decision. Yeah. So for those distances, I would, 
I would definitely look at something with the custom dial as opposed to a BBC reticle. Um, BBC reticles are fast. And that's what's really cool about them is they're super quick, but you're kind of giving up the accuracy to get that speed. Um, dialing is always going to be more accurate. Holding is always going to be quicker. You know, that's kind of that's kind of how you look at it. And so that's why when you get into higher scopes, we have both options. You can look at the BDC reticles with the dial. So if you have that quick one, two, three hundred yard shot, you just hold over. Or if you got to really stretch it out there a little bit, you can get set up in a good position and dial for it and make that longer shot. But my personal preference, I, I definitely like being able to dial. I think it I I think anytime you're taking this in my experience, anytime you're taking a shot that far, you have the time to kind of set up, take a couple seconds, lower your heart rate, get your breathing down, dial your scope in and, and take a good shot. So it's it's not too much slower. And I, I think your the gains in accuracy are well worth the couple seconds it takes to set that up. And like I said, at that range, it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> close enough just isn't good enough <laughs> when you're yeah. extending distances. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's super helpful, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time to join us and kind of give us a quick rundown. I'm sure we could sit here and chat about scopes for two more hours, but that's, uh, <laughs> you know, when this question came up, I wanted somebody with more experience to answer, and I'm glad you could help us do that today, man. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for calling me up. I had a blast. Cool. Steve, those good options on some scope upgrades. You know, the other thing he mentioned, though, was uh, his third option was essentially a maximum point blank range scenario. And he didn't use those terms, but he basically described that idea. And that's essentially setting instead of your zero being at 100 yards or 200 yards, you're zeroing further out to try and find this point where uh, you can essentially hold center on the vitals. And whether the range is 100 or the range is maybe 300, you're essentially within the quote-unquote margin of error where you're on the vitals without knowing exactly what the range is or trying to hold over using hash mark, that type of thing. Have you ever set up a scope for that? Uh, I haven't set up a scope for that. I definitely really looked at it um, when I was setting up my PRC just to see uh, because it does shoot so flat and, and the BC is so high that uh, it remains flat for a long ways that you can really extend out, extend out, extend that out. Um, I can't remember what it was. I think I could get like 324 yards or something on an, on deer size game. You know, that's like a, I think that was setting like a four inch mm-hmm. uh, vital zone. Um, the more I thought about it though, you, you kind of run into the, um, you're assuming there's no human error involved in that, right? You're assuming yep. you're going to make a perfect shot. And so, that you're going to hold dead in the center of the vitals. Yeah, you're going to hold dead in the center of the vitals. Uh, so say it's uh, you're on the very far end of that. Um, you're just, you know, unless you're just shooting a lot and practicing a lot to know, like, okay, he's, you know, that elk's out there at 350 yards. I just need to hold about four inches high. Um, which, so I, in that scenario, would help for sure. But I think if you're just the simplified version of holding the center of the animal and pull the trigger it works and it's great. But if there's any human error, um, you know, technically like I, I just go back to that deer I missed last October where I had adjusted the dial wrong and I shot, uh, just the dial was set for like six and a half inches low. I still should have hit the deer. Um, but I think I shot, you know, two or three inches low and it 
385 yards or whatever it was uh it's not a terrible shot just a couple inches low but the two stacked on top of each other meant me missing the deer so um i think that's the, the problem with that the maximum point blank range uh if, if you're trying to get out too far if you just do something like uh you know two inches so they get like a four inch range two inches each side of dead center uh, i think that could be you know handy to have for sure yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of just uh, at least currently of setting a 200 yard zero and then that way really you know zero to 250 yards you just shoot uh, you don't have to think about it yeah a lot of guys will um, as you said four inches is a common number I can be four inches high four inches low especially on deer some guys extend that to a larger um, window for elk but again I just I'm concerned with that because it's again knowing that you are holding dead center and that you're basically, as you said, taking the human element out of it. Um, to give this guy an idea for 30 out six, obviously it's around I've shots um, and have some data on. You can essentially set it up to um, be five inches high at 100 and five inches low at 400. So you have that 10 inch window of anything from point blank um, to 400. Uh, would be an option you'd look at. But again, that's a more margin for error than I'm personally comfortable with. Uh, most guys, if you look at maximum point blank range, want to keep that closer to 300 uh, particularly. And things do change based on the round you're shooting, even in, uh, like, say, 30 out 6. Are you shooting a 150, 165, 180? How fast is it going? You have to look at all those variables. So it's you have to have some data to really establish... Um, a fairly accurate maximum point blank range um and even then again there's there's that human element on knowing are you truly dead center the other thing i'd just say for this guy um specifically again because i've looked at 30 out six numbers quite a bit is you know he mentioned 400 600 and we're specifically talking about elk 400 is no issue um 500 with a proper load um looking at data can be doable but 600 is pushing it man for elk uh specifically and just looking at ener- energy numbers um you know a lot of guys will say you want at least 1500 um, foot pounds of energy for elk and you're just i i don't think there's a round that's getting that quite at 600 um maybe there is but a lot of the common stuff a lot of your again your 165s your 180s they're not carrying that amount of energy at 600 yards. Um, and most of them are, it's right about 500 that you're at that threshold. So I would just rethink for 30 out six in general. And then again, given the limitations, uh, going back to his optics, like 600 is an absolute poke on elk. And I don't know that it would be part of my effective range with this particular rifle setup to begin with. So think through that that's kind of a kind of a fun one to think through though and we appreciate the question um as always guys you can send questions to podcast at xomountaingear.com if it's something that we can chat through steve and i were happy to do that and uh, it is fun to kind of get some outside perspective and experience on these as well and we'll be sure to do more of that in the future uh, as needed so thanks guys for tuning in send those questions to podcast at xomountaingear.com